because there's a, a lot of high trust, not only in, in governments and in, in institutions uh, like banks, the the need for an alternative financial system is, is just not there. And so who gets into it in, in Canada is very different as to who gets into it in, um, in the developing world. Um, libertarians, generally people who are at the cutting edge of experimenting with financial um, um, innovation, um, programmers, people who are into technology. It's not the same people that get into it in El Salvador and developing nations. You know, especially if you're shielding yourself from um, inflation, if you're shielding yourself from um confiscation of money like what happened in lebanon you want to shelter yourself right welcome to bitcoin basics with your hosts faris and gordon visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your bitcoin join our bitcoin basics community in our new telegram group at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram no ads, no altcoins, shitcoins, no other nonsense, only Bitcoin information, education and discussion at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram. Good morning or good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bitcoin Basics podcast with your host, me, that's Gordon, and I have Faris as usual. Um, before we get started, let's do our proof recording. Today is the 19th of July, 2022, the current price of Bitcoin is 21,590 US dollars. The current block height is 745,542. And my favorite stat, $1 equals 4,631 Satoshis, according to bitcoin.clarkmeter.com, if you have no idea what I was talking about. So we just had an amazing um, interview Faris, uh, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so we interviewed Jaime, um, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Jaime Garcia. Yeah. Uh, he writes uh, for Bitcoin Magazine. He, very, very interesting because he was born and raised in El Salvador and he relocated to Canada when he was 10 years old. And now with everything that's going on in El Salvador and the Bitcoin space, he's become this go-to guy where people overseas are asking what's happening in El Salvador. So he's got a connection to El Salvador and living in Canada. So we, um, and obviously there's Bitcoin has been in the news for Canada and El Salvador. Um, so it was interesting to get his viewpoint from that. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Nikki and James who are boots on the ground living in El Salvador using the lightning network. Um, so they kind of gave us a good mi micro perspective of what it's like every day using Bitcoin in El Salvador. With Jaime, um, it was really interesting because he is looking more at the macro perspective. How does this affect um, El Salvador, who still uses the US dollar as their nominal currency? Um, how does this affect their relations with the IMF, the World Bank, the United States? Um, so that was really, really cool to get that that big macro perspective from him. Yeah, I think it, he's obviously El Salvadorian, so he's an insider, but currently living in Canada. So he's an insider looking from the outside, looking in sort of thing, if that makes sense. And I really appreciated his honesty and critical thinking. We always um, think that Bitcoin's going to save the world and save everything, but he had a very balanced and sort of practical 
viewpoint of 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 what is actually happening the good the good the bad and the ugly so i appreciate his intellectual intellectual honesty on that so without further ado here's the interview if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe like and share so we can find others like yourself Hello, Jaime. Thank you very much for joining us today. And um, it's really an uh, honor to have you on. I caught you on the Bitcoin uh, Twitter spaces, sorry. And uh, yeah, just got in touch with you then. And um, yeah, just tell our audience a little bit about yourself. What is it you do and how you got into this space? Yeah. Um, so Jaime Garcia, I'm um, Salvadorian, also Canadian. Uh, I'm based out of Canada, um, but do have a lot of family back in El Salvador. And, uh, um, you know, really, I my involvement is fairly recent. Um, my dad actually is thinking of going back to back home and uh, uh, investing in, in a property to sort of uh, retire and just take it easy. And uh, when um, the legal term. Uh, currency law got announced. He um, he asked me to look into it to see, you know, what it was all about, whether it was something that he should be getting into, and um, and just just you know find out in general what you know what were the benefits and and I guess the maybe a negative side of it. And um, so I, you know, I think that being uh, the firstborn <laughs> the. Uh, I think that I, uh, I do a lot of that work for my dad. And, uh, and so, um, I went down the rabbit hole just right quickly. And I do attribute him with orange pilling me right off the get go just by sending me on that journey. And, and then, um, luckily for myself, I got into contact with, uh, some, some really good people in Twitter spaces, uh, that, um, and I mean, that were maxis and, and I think that um, really fortunate that I didn't go down the uh, the altcoin <laughs> route and uh, and get wrecked and experiment that way and um, and yes I got to learn a lot very quickly and um, and from that point forward I think that um, you know I was um, almost mesmerized if not kind of uh, regretful that I hadn't hadn't taken it serious uh, a lot sooner because. I mean, like everybody else, knew about it a long time ago, just didn't dive into it. And so really that that is my my story. And then uh, you know, listening to people on Twitter spaces talk about El Salvador. Um I quickly realized that most people didn't know where El Salvador was. <laughs> and there's a lot of misinformation. There was a lot of wrong information. And I started to to weigh in and I became kind of like, I guess, in my circle of friends, de facto expert on it. Uh, just, you know, being from there, going there, having family there, having a, a bit of a of a ground level um, knowledge of the country and the culture and, and the business um, environment there. I think that uh, um, it... Um, it allowed me to speak with some authority and when there was um, discussions around El Salvador. So, hmm. so we born and raised in El Salvador. Yeah. Uh, yes. I was um, born there and I was, um, I left El Salvador when I was 11. 
I, um, like many Salvadorians, I left because of the civil war and the eighties. And, um, I came to Canada and, and then I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been in Canada ever since, of course, I go back to El Salvador to visit and, um, you know, keep in touch, but, um, but really, you know, I'm now here in Canada, I have a Canadian wife, kids, and, uh, my mom and dad are here. Um, my sister was here, but she left for Costa Rica. So she lives in Costa Rica now. And, uh, but she, she is, uh, Canadian. And so my immediate family was here when my grandparents were alive. We, we brought them up as well. As you know, like many Latin families, we like to have our, our parents and grandparents, uh, close to us. We have a cousin up here as well. And, and then, uh, you know, I think everybody else in our family is spread uh, other than El Salvador spread across the world, but mainly in the U S I think we're, we're the, uh, we're, we're the few that are in Canada. So. So we um, recently had an, uh, interview that, um, had actually done very more popular than we thought we interviewed a couple that moved from New Zealand to El Salvador, um, because Bitcoin is becoming legal tender, but also because it didn't fall down the whole, um, government lockdowns and it mandates that they had, they, they kind of went there for freedom and Bitcoin and um, El Salvador is making a lot of headlines, but is that just in the Bitcoin Twitter sphere or are you finding that um, in Canada, or like you said, more and more people are asking you about El Salvador because uh, uh, to us, it's a big deal, but is that just a small echo chamber in Twitter land, Bitcoin land, or is what's happening in El Salvador a bit more mainstream? Yeah, I think, you know, everybody has to look at things with an extra critical eye nowadays because there's a variety of news sources and a lot of information. The reality is that, um, you know, the country is just like any other country in the world. You know, they, it's, it's not just about Bitcoin. They have, uh, you know, infrastructure issues, health issues, economic issues, and, um, and you you uh you have to find me an example of a country that didn't react very similarly at the beginning of the pandemic i i think i don't think that there is many and el salvador was no exception right so um which is why sometimes you'll hear like in and everything's 2020 in retrospect of course right so um and so y- y- you'll be it will be very difficult to find an example of a country who who wasn't a little bit harsh on their citizens when it comes to like lockdowns and and so on and so forth mainly because they didn't know what they were dealing with there wasn't enough data and and so on and so what you'll hear some folks like Gladstein and uh Anita Posh kind of say is that you know um El Salvador was extra harsh on their citizens by quarantining them in, in camps and, and, um, and putting them, putting a lot of restrictive and very harsh measures by, by those people entering the country early in, during the pandemic and very difficult, uh, lockdowns, uh, during the early part of the pandemic. And, um, you know, from what I understand, that's actually accurate. And, um, 
But that's not to say that the country and the people from El Salvador didn't actually agree with that. They, there was a, a, a lot of um, agreement and, and, and people were happy that those things were being implemented um, because they, they were scared, right? A lot of people were really scared. And um, so I, I would say that we tend to look and idealize some aspects of El Salvador right now. But the reality is that we're just just like any other country um, at the beginning of this whole ordeal. So, Thanks again for, for coming on to the podcast. Um, we really appreciate your time and we, we really appreciate your perspective as well. We In the Bitcoin community, we tend to have our rose-colored glasses on and it's all rainbows and unicorns. And it's really good to speak to people who have that dose of reality um, and comparing El Salvador to Canada um, in terms of uh, Bitcoin adoption, what would you see is the, the biggest difference? Um, well, I mean, like there's several aspects to it. Um, I would say that, um, um, you know, here, um, and I know that Canada has gone through some challenges um, in the last little bit. Uh, I think that there has been some government overreach. I think folks have generally tolerated that. And again, I'm 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 not gonna be like super. Um, <laughs> I guess um, towing the the hard maxi line, but. The reality is that whether people agree with it or not, Canada is a pretty safe country. Generally, the perspective of most Canadians is that the government is acting on their best interest. You know, you're not seeing, you know, you know, in general, the police like randomly attacking people. And, you know, while, while, and while there is some, some, you know, documented, um, isolated incidents there's a high trust in 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 government right so when things happen like you know the the um the trucker rally back in ottawa people tend to kind of side and 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 believe the narrative from the government you know particularly because you know Again, you don't see uh, um, there's there's high trust in in the government. People aren't really looking at the deeper issues as to why you know the economy is is the way that it is. Why you know central banks the work uh, work the way that they work, and and you know people are kind of going one way and they trust it. And and even how. Um, government of Canada reacted and providing people some, some basic um, um, uh, money for, for basic expenses. And generally people view that with a lot of like um, positive views that that's, you know, in general, people feel like that is a good thing. And that's why governments, what's, what's, that's what governments are supposed to do when people aren't able to work then they get them some money and, uh, and then they're able to to buy their necessities, right? So there's a, a lot of high trust, right? And um, and so 
because there's a, a lot of high trust, not only in, in governments and in, in institutions uh, like banks, the the need for an alternative financial system is just not there. And so who gets into it in, in Canada is very different as to who gets into it in, um, in the developing world. People who get into it in, in Canada, historically, and Canada has a, an amazing cast of like OGs, like NVK, you know, you got BTC sessions. I mean, it's generally people who are into technology, generally people who are um, libertarians, generally people who are at the cutting edge of experimenting with financial um, um, innovation, um, programmers, people who are into technology. It's not the same people that get into it in El Salvador and developing nations. You know, especially if you're shielding yourself from um, inflation, if you're shielding yourself from um, confiscation of money, like what happened in Lebanon, you want to shelter yourself, right? And so, so that's, I would start by saying that that's the main difference, you know, and, um, but at the same time, you know, if I was to walk down the street here, just outside of the building where I'm at and ask a random person if they've heard of it, maybe they have, maybe they haven't. It's like a 50, 50 chance. Mm -hmm. And if they have, and you, and you ask them if they want some, they'll be distrustful because the story that they've heard is probably one about being illegal or something like that. Uh, I actually went to change the oil in my vehicle over the weekend. And uh, I asked the, the the young guy there, it's like, Hey, do you have a Bitcoin wallet? I, I want to tip you in Bitcoin. And he's like, no, I don't. So I'm like, well, why don't you download one? And I said, download moon and, it's pretty easy. And he's like, Hmm, no, no, thank you. He said, well, I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks worth of Bitcoin. And then he's like, no, it's okay. I'll, I'll look into it. It's okay. That's, that's really good. Should definitely look into it. And, Mm -hmm. um, but so, so then, but then I, if I think about in, in El Salvador, they'll probably do the same thing. Right. It's like, do you have dollars? But if you really, you know, but if you're like, no, 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 I'll give you Bitcoin, they'll probably accept the Bitcoin because they have the means of like exchanging it and converting to dollars very easily. Whereas here, the the onboarding curve is uh, is a little bit more steeper now, right? Like a year ago, maybe it would, would have been different. But, you know, now that we're like 10 months in, things are changing in El Salvador. And um, but yeah. So just on that point of onboarding, like the tech is obviously available in Canada for people to onboard. They do have the wallets, the apps, the ability. It's more an educational or misconception um, of what Bitcoin is. Um, the, is that right? I would say so, yeah. And, and again, I would say that because there's no actual financial need, urgent need, you know, people are aware, yes. but they just don't make the yeah. effort. Yeah, countries that adopted Bitcoin are the ones where, yeah, they could, there was no credibility in their sovereign currency, um, with, especially due to hyperinflation. Um, but with what you mentioned, the uh, truckers convoy, um, 
And you also mentioned um, funds that can be obfuscated by the government. Now, isn't that what happened, though? Didn't the Canadian government cancel the GoFundMe contributions and basically said retroactively anyone who funded those truckers was, um, I'm trying to remember this correctly, was actually violating the anti-money laundering laws and it was essentially an act of financial terrorism? Um, I'm not quite certain that that was the the wording, but that my understanding is that we're very close to that, uh, especially the folks that were um, an integral part of uh, organizing that. Um, again, I I don't have you know an insider knowledge on on that, but that is my understanding, and 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 and, and so rather than opining on that specific bit i can tell you this much i can tell you people in my circle of friends who usually tend to be social democrats or liberals and definitely some conservatives who said this is not right who were probably otherwise very supportive of of like justin trudeau and the liberal government and who really were turned off by what they felt was an overreach. And I would say that, you know, at the height of the pandemic, when, um, you know, some of these things were happening, uh, there was no need to, um, to implement an emergencies act. It took this one incident and people are just sort of puzzled by it. It's like, is like, is it really that bad? Or is it something that we don't know that, that's happening. And, you know, even the, the conservatives after where they held uh, some, some hearings or sorry, the government held some hearings and the conservatives in committee and these, and these hearings were um, questioning the government. The government was never able to produce like conclusive evidence. Now I'm, I'm not opining on this as some expert, but just as some like Joe Schmo common average dude. And, and I'm like, Hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure I'm buying this whole piece. And so so I think what the whole thing created was a like a mistrust in our financial system to the point where there was never any. And I think that if you were to think about Canada as you know, before that incident as being one of the friendliest places to uh invest in and put your money in, like we I think we had like a number of spot ETFs already approved as well as you know, even like altcoin ETFs and, um, you know, pretty readily available exchanges where people could could invest in. Like now, now you have distrust. And, and I think that, um, that, you know, like that piece in itself, I think is even the more significant key takeaway from that whole situation is that people who otherwise had a lot of trust in the government, what they were doing, begin to question right and that's kind of where the transition uh that maybe that i like to point out where you know a lot of people didn't have a lot of trust or had a lot of trust in the government didn't seek any refuge in bitcoin now started to think about it right yeah that's an interesting point because um well my my, my dad's an accountant and he's a stick mm-hmm. in the mud. And so, you know, <laughs> I've been trying to orange pill him for, you know, five, six years. Um, but it's a really interesting point you make because in Western countries, let, let's be honest, apart from a few Bitcoin maxis or whatever, 
yeah. people use Bitcoin to trade. You know, they they send it to an exchange, they do some trading or whatever. They're not using Bitcoin as a method of payment. It is a store of value for a very, very small fraction of the people because of what you just said. There is this inherent trust in government money. And it's like, well, I've heard about Bitcoin. It's internet funny money, but, you know, I'll just stick with my shares and stocks and maybe buy some gold or ETFs or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, I think that there there is a little bit of a light bulb moment in that, you know, what happened with the truckers incident without going into details. Um, but I, I, I'm fascinated with El Salvador and the, yeah. and the it's funny, you know, you, we're asking you like you're the spokesman of El Salvador and, and whatever. I'm not, I'm not meeting that by any stretch of the imagination. Well, but, I am um, writing a book on it, so. <laughs> okay. Oh, I mean, well, you know. Tell us about that then. Well, I mean, I'm trying to put in at least one hour every day and my goal is to have it uh, done by, uh, have a draft done by uh, by the fall, but uh, in uh, hopefully September of 2022, but um uh, it's not as easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> and so, and, and it's definitely kind of like, you know, what I want, like the, the purpose of it is to basically um, uh, just showcase w- why it emerged, um, w- you know, what were the conditions that ga- gave the environment for this phenomenon and just, you know, understand the country because i think so when you say this so when you say this you're referring to el salvador and bitcoin tent as legal yes tenders, i mean yeah yeah why 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 bitcoin is a uh, legal currency in el salvador emerged and the and just the um the nuances as as to what led to the rise of it in the environment that gave this phenomenon to emerge in El Salvador. Cause I think that that's, that's what's lacking. It's, it's, and it's, uh, and that's what leads to a lot of um, just misinformation or um, assumptions. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm trying to make it succinct and to the point, but I think that there also needs to be a, some background as to, as to why this happens without making it boring. That's is, I mean, I don't know. I've, my first crack at the can i've wrote a few articles for for bitcoin magazine but um, i think a book's a little different and this is in english or are you gonna do it in yeah, spanish I'm, as well i'm i'm gonna i'm i'm writing it in english and uh and then once i'm happy with the draft and i have somewhat of a semi-final draft i'm gonna translate it into spanish awesome If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Um, so we're fascinated in, in El Salvador. Um, what, well, I, I don't know where to start. Uh, are are mm. you involved in, in Bitcoin Beach at all? No, um, I met some of the guys through Twitter. Um, Mike Peterson has given me a couple interviews and um uh, I know Chimbera through through Bitcoin Twitter, and um, you know we've done a number of spaces together. So yeah, it's um, just met them. They're internet friends for sure. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, so obviously you can only comment, you know, family and friends and and people you know. Mm. Um, and 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 boots on the ground. Is it sort of being adopted? 
um, purely as a method of payment and people are receiving sort of stuff in Bitcoin. We've heard, we've interviewed um, Nikki and James from El Salvador a couple of episodes if people want to check that out. So, so we won't go over that, but um, is that sort of, um, you know, most merchants are accepting it and uh, there's sort of that feeling of, yeah, it's an alternate method or is it just a really sort of small micro uh, system of a few funny people doing some funny stuff with funny money? Yeah, it depends where you are. So if you're in El Sonte, definitely th- there's lots of options. And I would say that, uh, you know, in most instances, you can be 100% uh, paying in Bitcoin through Lightning. Um, if you step out of there, I think that then it becomes a little bit more challenging. In certain areas in San Salvador, that there's definitely, a, a, you know, if you want to go to Starbucks and McDonald's, uh, Walmart, uh, Super Selectos, which is a, a grocery store, you're not going to have any problems. Uh, you'll, you'll be paying Bitcoin and it'll be good. Pizza Hut, Pollo Campero, which is a really... Um, uh, it's like our Kentucky fried chicken in El Salvador. Um, yeah. And the funny thing about them is I actually, they, they had some problems with their point of sale system. And so they stopped accepting it for a while. And, and then, but um, I checked back with them and they, they said they're, they're back accepting it. So, so yeah, there's this weird period where like some people are kind of finding, you know, how, um, um, you know, like the, how they they become to adopt it, and so some people are in trial trial and error, and, and with different point of systems when it comes to businesses. Um, but in general, I mean, I'm gonna be honest, no, <laughs> and um, and that's because um, I think that to really understand why this was brought upon the country is it's not because there was a huge necessity by its population uh, to use it. But it, and I, and I actually didn't think that I fully understood this until I saw an interview by this uh, political analyst. His name is Dagoberto Gutierrez. And uh, he's a really, really smart person. And he gets on Salvadorian radio as well as television Generally, very supportive of Nayib Bukele, um, but um, but sometimes he does criticize him. But he's a very well respected man, and so um, so he got on the radio and it, not very government or Nayib Bukele friendly radio. Most media isn't, by the way, because uh, most media is is owned by the opposition and they don't really like him, so they do a lot of. Um, activity to try to try to discredit him and so they try to get Dagoberto into a bit of a kacha moment he's an older gentleman and so they asked him so you know are did you download Chivo you know are you using Bitcoin he's like no I, I you know I'm an I'm an old guy this this is this is not something that I'm really good at and you know so you're not using it then and he's like no I, I'm not and then it's like, well, but, you know, we hear that people aren't using it. And I'm like, I'm not using it. Nobody we know is using it. And he said, oh, well, see, that's inconsequential. See, to think that by using Bitcoin, that that was the purpose why it was brought in. 
is to not understand at all why this is being implemented. This is game theory. This is a first mover advantage. And this is not for today. This is for the future. What you're seeing is the decline of a dollar hegemony. And what El Salvador is doing is it's safeguarding itself against that decline. So this is not something that's going to bear fruits today. This is going to something that's going to bear fruits into the future. And so I was like, okay, right. First, we got to be patient. Okay. This is going to take some time. The other thing is that the reasons why we thought that this was being implemented are not really the reasons at all. This is, this is a low time preference move. This is a low time preference action. This is not for us. This is for our children and our grandchildren. And that's kind of what we have to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, most Bitcoiners are impatient with it. The media is impatient with it. Detractors are impatient with it. Promoters are impatient with it. The people in El Salvador are impatient with it, mostly because certain key sectors want it to fail and others are unaware. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have an auntie that's like, she's, she's old. She could care less. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard of it. I, I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm not going to go download an app that I don't understand, but there's somebody turning 18 years old every day in El Salvador. That's when they are entitled to download the Chivo app. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm simping for Chivo because, I mean, I have some concerns with it. But they, so, Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Because a lot of our listeners probably don't know what that is. Could you explain what that is? So, so, so Chivo is the government wallet. Chivo is, uh, is um, the government wallet, and uh, it's obviously a centralized wallet that accepts Bitcoin, but also has the ability to um, auto-convert Bitcoin into USD. Now, um, the wallet bylaw is required to, to be available for every citizen in the country because as, as the Bitcoin law is written, um, the government is is to provide the auto conversion feature. Now the private sector can provide an auto conversion um, solution, but, um, and you know, they're free to do um, strike does that. I believe Bitcoin beach is working on their own solution. Um, points of sale systems do that as well. Like open node does that Ibex Mercado does it. Uh, I think there's another company that just started theirs. Oh, I can't, I can't remember what their name is. Hopefully I remember and I can say it because I'm not trying to pick favorites here. I'm not shilling for anybody, but, but the private, but the private sector can do this auto conversion feature, right? But, um, some of them cost money, obviously, uh, strike doesn't, um, uh, but definitely Chivo does not. And it's, uh, it's obligated by law for the government to use it. And so, so then, um, but obviously it's, you know, from an ETH, uh, from a Bitcoin ethos perspective, it, it's, it's a centralized solution. So, you know, um, it goes kind of, a against all of the things that why people get into Bitcoin and why they, they hot led, why, you know, why they, why it inspires them to, to get into it. 
But for most Salvadorans who just want to transact in it, um, it provides a good solution if they don't want to actually expose themselves to the vo- volatility of the markets. And so they can accept Bitcoin at an agreed USD price. And then um, the app has a fund that um, basically accepts the the um, the agreed upon price on Bitcoin and auto converts them into USD. And so the, the wallet holds USD as well as Bitcoin in it. And, and so is that, is that kind of a good summary? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the stuff, the devil's in the details and and especially with wallets, can, can you withdraw Bitcoin from the Chivo app? Yeah, so so you can actually withdraw Bitcoin from the Chivo app to another wallet like on chain or on Lightning. Uh, those features, mm-hmm. like especially the Lightning, weren't working like super well, and um, and like like amounts larger than like a thousand were at one point being blocked. Um, they didn't even make it into the mempool, it seemed, and it just kind of like the, it stayed in the ecosystem and, and they didn't sort of leave to go to the mempool. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't even see, you know, that the transaction on chain, but I believe all those, they've changed providers to alpha point. Uh, and I think that a lot of those issues are being resolved. Um, last time I checked, there was most of them were resolved, but course you get outliers and you know people have problems here or there sometimes it's user error sometimes yeah, there's legit issues with the app but um but yeah um essentially you um you can withdraw bitcoin to another wallet as well as you can withdraw usd to atms and it gives you cash and uh, the entire system for salvadorans using chivo uh, there's no fees, so that that's the other feature that um, or benefit that that the Chivo wallet through the government provides, right? So, um, so yeah, I mean, are and, we, um, um, yes, are we watching like Nikki and James who are in El Salvador now, and they have their mm-hmm. YouTube channel where they go around to just street vendors buying groceries with Lightning, and it's yeah. fascinating to watch. And yeah, it's like for someone who you know, New Zealand, Australia, most people think you know bitcoin was that thing still around to watch this was just incredible to see um sorry one thing you brought up was first mover advantage which i think what el salvador done is amazing um and we have seen other nation states follow suit and it's basically yeah getting off of the petrodollar system and the u.s dollar reserve system um that is the big macro um, events at play here. Uh, Central African Republic is following suits by the looks of it. We interviewed Lord Fizichua of Tonga, who's trying to bring um, Bitcoin legal tender in Tonga. Mm-hmm. Now, with Nayib Bukele, uh, you mentioned he's not very popular with mainstream media that's um, that's run by the opposition. He, um, his approval ratings are pretty high, though, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, he, the people like him, and there's there's no there's no denying that because. Um, um, you know, even when they run their own polls, it shows that he's in the eighties, you know, and mm-hmm. historically in El Salvador, no government or no, um, no, uh, uh, president has ever polled that high. So, um, 
and given that he does yeah. not control the media, you know, it's it's hard to say that he's actually making this thing up. There is a state right. paper and a state uh, channel, but um, you know, that's it, it's it's one to like twenty. So I suppose my query slash concern is the f- the first movers. They're the ones that end up with the arrows in the back. Um, they set the yeah. they're the trailblazers. They set it for the pioneers. Um, he is, you know, pissing off the IMF and the World Bank. This is something actually discussed with Laura Fuji too. And he said, we actually asked him this is, are you concerned by moving the Bitcoin and off of the um, Bretton Woods institutions that it's going to somehow hurt you? And he goes, they haven't done anything for us anyways. Um, so from, you know, looking as an outsider looking in, President is, Naib Bukele is obviously, you know, um, pissing off, of the World Bank, the IMF, the American dollar system. Like, how fragile is it that this whole Bitcoin tender is resting on his shoulders only? Like, you know, if he's not around anymore, um, what's going to happen to the Bitcoin ecosystem there? Is it Does it die with him if he's no longer around? Or is there enough of a groundswell to keep it going? Yeah, and, you know, and I think that... Um... Uh, the first mover advantage also has the first mover disadvantage, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when if, you, if I believe I watched um, a, a Bitcoin documentary and, and I think the filmmaker actually made a, an analogy that was something like, you know, if you think of it in military terms, somebody's go around, you know, like somebody's got to, go around the corner and take the first shot and they risk themselves getting shot. Right. And, and, um, and then this, you know, the second person has got to go and then the third person, but you know, if these first people don't go through it and they don't start taking the shots, then they, you know, the rest can't go through. Right. And, uh, and, and in a way, I think that that's kind of like where El Salvador is at. I mean, what, um, and I, I have said in the past is that we're taking it on the chin for the rest of the world and, uh, proudly, uh, but, but at the same time, I think that, um, um, you know, it, 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 it's a bet. It's definitely a calculated bet, uh, that things are going to work out. There's many facets to this. It's not just, at least for El Salvador, is is not just about Bitcoin. It's a move to provide the country with a stable economy where we can have foreign investment come into the country, which has happened. Uh, we, and, you know, I saw reports, um, last year or sorry, last month that, um, um, in the first time in 61 years where private investment has, um, it, you know, increased that much. Right. And um, they also reported that um, up to since uh, up since the beginning of the year, up to May, $52 million came in in remittances through the Chiba mm. wallet. Wow. which had no fees attached to them right mm-hmm. um you know their their gdp grew by by just over 10% the first double digit uh, growth in in um in years 
and um, exports went up by 13%. Um, tourism, since uh, Bitcoin uh, got announced, went up by 30%. Um, and But the number one issue still is safety, right? And so they still need to deal with that. So, so yeah, first mover advantage and also first mover disadvantage. And also, uh, you know, the fact that... Um, Bukele needs a team to execute on this. He, like, he is one man, and this does not happen if he doesn't have capable people looking after it. There's probably some, like, and of course, the mainstream media is, is not interested in giving anybody else um, any coverage because then the narrative about him being a dictator doesn't play all that well either, right? But the Minister of Finance, Alejandro Celaya, what a guy. If that guy was in charge of a G20 economy, he would have that economy roaring right now. He is a very intelligent man. He knows the markets, the TradFi market, inside and out. And he makes really good moves. And, um, you know, he's he's thinking not just about Bitcoin. He's thinking about other stuff. And uh, they they interviewed him on, on July 13th. And one, one of the concerns here... By, by the traditional uh, finance um, sector is whether uh, they're going to default on their sovereign debt. And he said, absolutely not. We actually have the means to pay. We're not going to default. And, um, and, and the thing is that, you know, a few days before that, Bukele said, um, I hope they apologize when we meet our obligations and then some. Because right now they're kind of like singing all this doom and gloom song. And, um, you know, and when that doesn't happen, they'll forget that they said it. And, and you know, now they're complaining about not meeting their obligations to, on their 2025 obligations, right? Um, so so it's something, it's always something else, right? But definitely there's a cast of like really, really capable women and men that uh, that are part of um, of the government and the uh, legislative assembly it's kind of like the Congress who are making things happen for the country right I mean these, these are this cast of folks are tired of like El Salvador being in the news for the wrong things they realize that we've had such a brain drain of amazing people leave the country and they they want to attract them. They, they want their best people to remain in El Salvador and to make sure that, um, that um, they, they become valuable assets for the country rather than for Canada or the U S or Europe. Right. Mm. I'm really looking forward to your book coming out. Jaime. It's um, the Bitcoin origin story. Now silver just sounds fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's very I, encouraging. I Sorry. I it's very very encouraging to hear that as well, um, because I think a lot of Bitcoiners, we sort of think, you know, it's going to solve everything. We we put Bitcoin in the country, everyone starts to use it. In a couple of years, it's, you know, rainbows and unicorns, but that's not the case, of course. Um, I, I just, just, just going back a little bit to remittances, and this is one of the, the major sort of use cases. It sounds like people are using Bitcoin for remittances, or or are they? Are they, are they still using Western Union's 40 or 30% fees or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, even in my family, excuse me, I asked my mom, 
the, are you using Chivo to to send anti or whoever you know um, money? They're like, no. I'm like, why not? Oh, they don't want to. So you're using like Western Union? Yes, she said. But the fees have gone down. <laughs> so you see, like that's the story. That's the story. Right there. If you think about oh nobody's using Bitcoin, then yeah, there's no story. It's it's a terrible story. It's failing. What what a terrible experiment. But if you think about the rippling effects, the banks and 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 you know these third parties that you know administer these transfers have now competition. And they've had to adjust to that competition. So even though people aren't using Bitcoin, they're benefiting from from the introduction of Bitcoin, their fees are lower. Now they don't have a monopoly on this anymore. You see, and that's that those are the benefits that are not being told. Okay. Here's the other thing. A lot of people aren't using Chivo. They're using Strike. Um, I think BitRefill actually has their proprietary um, um, information about how many people are using BitRefill. And um, hopefully they share them at some point. I've seen them share them in in some uh, sessions that they hold in uh, the Adopting Bitcoin conference. And I think Bitcoin uh, 2022, they had uh, some slides, I think, or maybe, I don't know. You'll have to verify that one and not trust me. Um, But what they showed is that, yeah, there was, you know, like, yeah, although Chivo was like number one, there's other wallets being used in order to buy some of these these gift cards, right? Not only that, like, for example, I can buy some Bitcoin right now and go to my cousin's um, uh, to bit bit refill and pay for my, my cousin's electricity bill or his cell phone bill directly from it that doesn't actually make it in as a remittance but it's you know like if that if they were using that money to buy that i could just pay it myself from here sorry so you you can you can pay utility bill in el salvador using bitcoin yep so so fair say you you live in el salvador and you need a little bit of help Mm -hmm. and um you know i i can't make ends meet this this year and you have a, a mortgage and um, here's my mortgage number and, and you give it to me and, and Gordon and we get together and we buy some Bitcoin and then we pay your mortgage payment on the account number that you give me through BitRefill. Yeah, Done. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Done. You can you, you, look, go to BitRefill right now, go to the El Salvador section. They'll show you yeah. all the utilities and services that you can pay for. You can pay for water, Electricity, cell phone, uh, land phone. Um, you can pay for. Um, th- there's a um, um, a housing lender, uh, a state housing lender, um, that um, low income people or, or or people who are first just starting with their homes mm-hmm. get mortgages from. You can they're on there as well. Um, there is uh, health insurance in there as well. So, so all of these services that people usually need those remittances to be paid for are on bit refill and people can, can pay for them directly without even sending that's the money. Amazing. So like, that, that's something that caught me by surprise was there, there is actually a large amount of um, our seller's GDP that is re- reliant on remittances. 
As much as 23% last time I checked. Yep. Wow. So. Wow. So you have, you have to dig deeper in the story because like, obviously, you know, there was a, an alternative study that showed, and it was a survey study. So they, they randomly chose people and, and they said, look, are you, are you using this? Are you using Chivo? Are you using this wallet? Are you using that? It showed that only 3% out of the randomly picked people that, that they did for the study. It, it's a survey, right? But it, it's a survey, which is, you know, I, I, I'm not actually sure like what the methodology was. So, you know, um, not sure if it was really representative of the population or if it was like, um, a specific sample. And, um, but when you look at operational data, hard data, not opinion based data, um, then it, it begins to tell a different story, right? So, how much of El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption is necessity? ideology versus just practical i want to save money on fees uh well i mean the reality is that the remittance story wasn't really um one of the main um objectives of bitcoin um I was actually uh Mackenzie Sigalos uh from CNBC interviewed me a while back on on you know on it and how how it happened because I I had made one of those first remittance payments on Bitcoin and compared it to the traditional um, um, you know Western Union right system and um, and so but up until then remittance wasn't like one of the main purposes for for the Bitcoin law and Bitcoin adoption in El Salvador and as a matter of fact I wrote an article on on this on Bitcoin magazine. And it um, there's really three purposes of the law. The first one is that, you know, any law has to be for the um, a benefit of most Salvadorians. And so that they could, you know, grow and attain wealth, right? So that's one. And the second one is so that um, through the free market, um, sorry, the second one is that through the introduction of these laws, they are able to be included into the um, financial services, given that 70% at that time, 70% of the population was unbanked and gain better access to exercising their rights. That's the second purpose. It's written in the law. And the third purpose is so that through the free market, um, economic solutions are implemented for the growth of the country and the enrichment of most Salvadorians. Three things, very clear, nowhere in there. And not even in the points afterwards, there's a mission remittances. <laughs> so remittances are a bit of a red herring in this whole thing that uh, not only, you know, traditional media and the mainstream media and, and traditional finance has um, hung on to, but also Bitcoiners alike and, and supporters of, of it. And so when they don't see, 
you know, a huge success story right away, they feel like it's a failure. But if we were to think about, you know, the main purposes of while Bitcoin exists in El Salvador, it doesn't even make the cut. So really, that's not the benchmark for success in the country. Yeah, gone are the days when you used to plan 50 years in the future. Now people are lucky if they have an attention span of more than seven minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is, yeah, the, the Bitcoin ecosystem to me, like the possibilities, like you talk about the unbanked. Um, you know, Gordon, uh, I remember years ago telling me about Bitcoin. He was excited about the technology, uh, technological aspects of blockchain. I didn't really appreciate Bitcoin until I looked at the economics of it, because that's my economics and aid and development were my background. So there is so much still that Bitcoin can do. Um, so, yeah, so it's exciting to talk to people like you when you, you, you're insightful to what's going on. Um, so are you making plans to relocate to El Salvador? Are you happy where you are? What's, uh, yeah, how's this no, affected you personally? Listen, that's the idea. Right. I'm I'm still even though the gray hairs tell a different story, I'm still relatively young. Like, you know, at least I feel young. I mean, I still go play soccer and run and you know, I did throw out my back a little bit this weekend, but I was just being a stupid jumping into the pool and whatnot. So the gray and, hairs um, just tell me that you have children. <laughs> That's, yes, that is true. That is true. <laughs> so I mean, but that's that's the idea. You know, I remember um uh when we were my wife and I were younger and um, we and we were just blue skying and it's like, Oh, wouldn't it be nice that like, you know, down the road when we retire, we, we maybe find a beach home in Costa Rica and uh, retire there. And, um, and then I remember my wife sort of like backtrack a little bit. Why not El Salvador? I mean, like you're from there and like, you know, uh, and I said, no, it's too dangerous. It's, it's, um, things aren't right there. And, you know, I don't know if they'll ever be. And then she's like, really? Oh, okay. And then we sort of went back to Costa Rica, but now, you know, over the last year, I think we've, we're changing our kind of like our, our story, right. A little bit about what we're aiming for, because now maybe it's a possibility. Mm. And, um, and I think, if this wasn't happening, I'm not sure it would be a possibility. You know, like I think that um, it's making the country look very hard at what kind of country it wants to be. Mm. Crime is definitely a thing that holds it back. Mm. So it's trying very, very hard to to deal with it. And this is at the expense of um, of many people criticizing it because of human rights violation accusations and so on. Look, it's not going to be easy. It's it's it, it was a very difficult situation. You know, even you know a year ago, it's going to be continuing to be difficult. But it's something that needs to happen. Otherwise, you know, who wants to go and invest in a country that is unsafe, right? And I think that that's kind of like again, if we think about what you know, those three main purposes of the law, you know, to have the the free markets enrich the country through you know and who wants to invest in a country that is not safe so we have to provide an environment that is safe for investors and um it's going to be difficult getting there but i think that um 
you know, hopefully gets there. And and Gordon, I just want to maybe touch back on something that you had asked earlier. How much is practicality versus ideology? And I think that it's all practicality. And, and that, that's why <clears throat> that's why it's sometimes difficult because we may not like some some of the methods that are being used, but they're practical. And um, and we may not like that it takes a long time, but it's practical. You know, if I'm sure they can hurry it along, but it it may look good, but over the long term and practical. And I think it's um, it's definitely um, you know I'm I'm not a blind bukele booster. I always want to see where where the downfalls are, and he's had made. He's made a few mistakes, but in general, I would say that um, he's doing a good job. There's proof of work there. He was uh, <laughs> mayor of a couple cities before, and he mm. he left them better than he found them, and that's why people trust them, right? So, well, well, we appreciate your candor and 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 being honest because sometimes it is easy to sort of fall into that trap of, you know. Rose colored glasses. Um, and we look forward to your book too. I, I, I'm fascinated. Maybe experiments, the wrong word to use, but I'm fascinated by this implementation of, you know, warts and all. Um, I expected some friction, some teething problems, not just technology, but from an adoption mm-hmm. point of view. So I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I hope you get back to El Salvador, but in terms of the safety, has that changed in the last year or two since? Bitcoin's become legal tender or is that unrelated? No, it has changed. It has changed. I think that one of the things that, um, you know, many people say and like is that, you know, Bitcoin changes you, right? And although that might sound kind of corny and a little bit quasi-religious or pseudo-religious, right? Um, the reality is, is that it, um, you know, a system like Bitcoin, uh, especially as a, as your monetary legal tender system offers different types of incentives. Right. And, and um, so the incentive right now is to clean up the country. Otherwise Bitcoiners won't come. Okay. Um, Things when Bukele uh, took over uh, started to improve in terms of, of crime. Um, what had happened before his government is that um, there was a lot of backroom deals and, um, and you know, there's even some accusations that Bukele's government did some of that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know uh, some, uh, you know, and I certainly don't have convincing proof that that has happened, but even if it did, I would just say that there's president there and um, and what's happening now is that 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 has discontinued it's and and that's why we saw a um, you know from from what what I understand is spike in, in crime that prompted a response from Bukele and that response was to basically suspend certain individual rights so that they were able to incarcerate some known um, um, criminals. And um, in El Salvador, we have this concept within the constitution um, 
pertaining to habeas corpus, which is a lot of countries have that. In essence, what that means is you can't be held indefinitely, arbitrarily without, you know, having your time in front of the judge and and be charged with something and everybody's presumed innocent until, until proven guilty. The, um, the current state basically extends the habeas corpus from 72 hours to 15 days so that it gives judges time to process these criminals properly charge them getting get getting them the uh the paperwork and actually sentence them because what was happening before is there is a huge backlog of um of you know cases and because of habeas corpus, basically it was a catch and release. So you catch them because there's a backlog. You can't process them because you can't process them. They have to let them go. So this gives the, the, the judges a little bit more time to actually deal with it without having to let them go. And so a lot of people are not super stoked about what's happening there. Uh, because it is a suspension of individual rights in this Bitcoiners most um early ones at least uh with libertarian points of views that, that's that, that's a cardinal sin right <laughs> so um yeah and, and myself i'm not like a fan of it but i know that there it has to be a temporary thing that this government's trying to do in order to uh deal with this problem and because of it it's it's um it's gotten safer um reports are that in neighborhoods what they did is they collected rent right and this collected rent was basically shakedown money everybody had to to pay some money to to the local clica which is like the the local gang and and then they you know, that, that was their source of income. Um, now, um, that has uh, stopped in some areas. And, um, and, and, and so there, there's that money circulates back into the economy, right? I mean, you could argue that it circulates back into the economy one way or another, but you know, it uh, it circulates back into the economy to, to better the life of Salvadorians who are actually working hard for their money and who would otherwise, you know, not be doing that and living in fear are now enjoying the, the fruit of their work and, uh, and, and using that money to better their quality of life rather than, you know, support somebody else's quality of life. And then the incentive has changed. Now the incentive was... The, before the incentive was easy was was to choose the easy or may, well, crime is not easy that's the other thing <laughs> but but the, the but the path of crime because that's what paid now the incentive has changed is like crime does not pay we have to look at other things right so maybe go to go to school maybe have a, a job or you know because even though that might be hard work is actually not that not as hard as you know, living in fear and shaking people down and like even gang members, you know, some of them, they just don't feel good about it, but they're forced to do it. Right. So not shilling for any of them. I'm just saying that, you know, it's a vicious cycle, right? So Jeff, plans to go revisit El Salvador soon? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We'd love to catch up with you on the ground there. If you do have time, that'd be fascinating. Yeah. 
for sure like like i host a space is called global bitcoin fest and mm-hmm. uh we've interviewed um um over 27 different communities around the world 27 different countries about how their circular economy uh goes uh, or you know is is trying to adopt bitcoin and and so um um the goal is to try to host one from El Salvador when I'm there. Mm. The goal is for me to be there during the adopting Bitcoin conference, mm-hmm. but I still have to see like, it's a busy time here at home uh, with work. And, um, you know, my family was planning on going there and doesn't really align with, with that time. Mm. So I just got to arrange a few things to see if I can make it happen, but definitely when I'm there, I'll, uh, I, I would love to do something to make sure that, um, that we have, you know, I have something to, uh, going on and, and I can communicate that from the ground. So, sorry, you just mentioned the spaces. Could you just tell all our listeners where they can yeah. find you, follow your journey, your handles and such? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my Twitter handle is, uh, Jaime W Garcia. Uh, uh, it's uh, at J A I M E W G A R C I A. And I host myself and my, uh, co-host, uh, Lucas Duchko. We co-host global, um, global Bitcoin fest. And the handle for that on Twitter is at global BTC fest. And that's, uh, global G. L O B A L G sorry <laughs> at G L O B A L B T C F E S T. There you go. We'll have all of that in the show notes. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Listening. My, my real question was actually, is it safe for me to come to El Salvador? <laughs> oh no, for sure. No, no, no. Like actually, you know what? Like if I, I can say that, no, no, no. It, I can say that with like a lot of confidence. Like if you guys were uh, to go down there, it would be extremely safe for you guys. I mean, you know, like the, the, the safety aspect affects more or less local Salvadorans more than it affects, um, um, you know, Bitcoiners visiting the country, usually the areas that where, where you will go are very, very safe. Uh, you know, unless you want to go to other communities where there's known criminal activity, mm. um, you know, uh, you'll be very safe. And even then, like, you know, like things are improving. Like I know that um, Stacy. Uh, Herbert and Max Kaiser went down to Soyapango and Apopa, which are typically known for um, a lot of criminal activity. And they hung out with people there. They did a local cleanup in one of the creeks and <laughs> they tipped everybody in sats to make sure that their community was cleaned up pretty good. And so awesome. these these are areas where, you know, um, foreigners really don't go and they're really scared and they're becoming safe and the community themselves are saying like hey look if we get our act together we can actually get some people through here and Mm. you know start something here and so and because i think that there's also a hunger from um, bitcoiners and, and other tourists to actually hang out with the people and not themselves right like some people just yearn for that 
local experience, right? And so, so again, I think that it's providing different types of incentives and people are realizing that. But again, we're 10 months in, we got to give it some time yeah. and see, see how it goes. And as Bitcoiners, we have to look at the bigger picture, you know, Bitcoin's great mm-hmm. and all that, but if it's not improving people's lives, what's the point? So um, I'm excited to see where this, and, and other countries as well, I'm sure other countries in the region are looking at this very closely to see sort of what happens. And I don't know if the other countries, like for those who don't know, El Salvador, you, you guys don't have a sovereign currency. You're using US dollar. Other countries in the region, I've been to South America, but I don't know about Central America. Do they have their own sovereign currencies as well? Most countries uh, do. Uh, in in fact, El Salvador has the Salvadorian Colón, and um, we don't use it. It came out of circulation uh, some time ago. Um, by the law, people are um, uh, required to accept it and can still uh, tr- exchange and, 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 and use it. But in practicality, nobody does. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, this is, uh, this is one, um, this is one area where, um, did you guys see that? I think they're, <laughs> I'm here late. So they're doing cleanup now <laughs> <So> <laughs> in practicality. They don't, um, they don't actually, um, um, uh, use a, a, anything but but the US dollar right now and that would you know go go for bitcoin right now but but I, what i would say is i think is education is so important that there's um uh, as that increases and there's some really good um organizations like mi primer bitcoin like my first bitcoin and um and casa del bitcoin by uh paxful uh paxful uh, actually bought a house and they host uh free lessons uh in San Salvador, as well as Bitcoin Beach and, you know, numerous other organizations that are make like Torogos devs who are trying to get the first core dev um, from El Salvador trained. Um, you know, these organizations are going to be really influential um, and and also tourism people visiting and, and supporting local businesses and the economy and infusing the country with, um, with, with some, some money and some Bitcoin. And, and um, you know, that's, that's going to be really, really important going forward. Well, thanks uh, again for your time. Faris needs to go. You obviously need to go. It's you're getting kicked out. I need to go and have some <laughs> breakfast. Yes. Um, opposite end of the day here. Um, Thanks again for your time. And for everyone listening, we'll have all your uh, links in the description of the show notes. Um, any final words or anything you want to wrap up with? No, I mean, you know, I know that I talked about the book. I probably shouldn't have because I'm I'm just starting to write it. But uh, but oh, it's motivational. This, exactly. This will keep me accountable. And, and yeah. uh, I've never done anything. So it'll be a journey to find out what what it is. So um, but um, yeah, other than that, you know, just um, it, it just mm. always look at things with a critical eye when it comes to El Salvador, whether it's from friendly media or mainstream media or you know opposing view media um because uh, they they tend to not have the full story right so look at different sources and and do go to el salvador and have a vacation and it'll be it'll be okay gordon <laughs> uh, uh, i've traveled quite a so bit much. so yeah, yeah. Oh, gordon's been sure. everywhere. yeah. thanks yeah. Uh, thanks and, again uh, for your time to stay in touch
All right. We'll see you guys. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.